Hey, it's Matt Bowles. If you want to hang out with me in person, I'm going to be at the Latino Travel Fest in Elizabeth, New Jersey, May 31st to June 2nd. And I've got a 15% discount for you to join me. Just go to themaverickshow.com slash Latino. That's L-A-T-I-N-O. There you're going to see your 15% discounted ticket. There are going to be multiple guests from The Maverick Show attending, so you'll be able to hang out with all of us in person. You do not need to be Latino in order to attend Everyone is welcome. Again, get your discounted ticket at themaverickshow.com slash Latino. And as soon as you do, send me a DM on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick. Let me know that you're coming so that we can make plans to link up in person. And now here's a clip of what's coming up on today's episode. We were going from... Colombia to Portugal, uh, basically crossing the Atlantic. And for 10 days, we didn't have any internet. And at first I felt really stressed about it because I thought, oh my God, everything is gonna go to shit, basically. <laughs> but then I realized that actually everything is going well. And uh, after we arrived, nothing went wrong. That was the moment for me when I realized that I actually built a team uh, and a sustainable business that I don't have to participate in anymore. Today's most interesting real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and world travelers. And learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey, everybody, it's Matt Bowles here, and we have a very special guest in the studio with us today. Julia Shem is a 25-year-old business owner who runs Goldie.LA Custom Metallic Temporary Tattoos. She moved to the U.S. from Russia at age 19 and went from waitress to computer programmer to business owner in just three years, and now at age 25, she just generates over six figures in passive income from her fully automated business. Julia, welcome to the show. Hello. So you and I, I just want to paint the picture here for folks. Uh, mm -hmm. You and I are, are sipping wine at the moment and we just spent the day in Greece. Right. <laughs> <laughs> have, now, have you been to Greece before or was this your first time? No, that's my first time. I'm really excited. So, uh, so we just hung out today in Greece and Julia actually did a fantastic presentation. She was a featured speaker on the Nomad Cruise, which we are currently on. Uh, navigating through the Mediterranean Sea from the Spanish islands, the, through Malta, through the Greek islands, and uh, all of that good stuff. So I'm super excited to have you here, uh, Julia, for this interview. And I want to start off just sort of talking a little bit about your lifestyle that you have created for yourself, and then we'll go backwards and talk a little bit about your business building journey. But you are now 25 years old, um, and you own this business. And tell us a little bit about your lifestyle design and and what the business facilitates you to be able to do in terms of travel and, and other things? So most of the time, um, I like to travel for two months and then visit some countries that I've never been before. And then back for two months working on my business or new projects and then traveling again. So basically half the year traveling and half the year back in total. And um, since all my businesses are bringing me the passive income at the moment, uh, I'm kind of free to do whatever I like. And most of that includes watching sunsets, swing dancing, um, learning salsa. And my next thing is would be to maybe go to South America and learn Spanish and just kind of improve my dancing skills. Let's go back then and, and talk a little bit now about your entrepreneurial journey. So first of all, English is not your first language. You grew up right. in Russia. Yes. So I was born and raised in Russia till I was 19. Um, I was, so basically where I'm from is the very um, kind of um, small city right in the center of Russia, close to Kazakhstan. It's called Magnitogorsk. Uh, most people never even heard of it. Um, so 
and there's this iron and steel plant um, that most people work for. Uh, that's kind of like the only place to work, um, the, the, the well-paid place. Um, and we have one technical university. So I really didn't have much choices when I was going to the university and in terms of my major. So I chose computer programming. And um, I was in my third year of the university and kind of realizing that how my life is going to be for the next 30 years. Um, so everybody working this iron and steel plant, either bending metal or working with the like production of metal or, you know, it's it was like really not a lot of choices what to do. Um, so I chose the computer programming and then there was a summer exchange program for people, uh, for students in Russia to come to United States and work in service industry just, you know, for um, a couple of months. Um, and I was actually really excited because I always wanted to go and outside of my city. But my parents were uh, kind of like in the mindset where, you know, they told me, you going to be alone? Like, how are you going to do this? You know, it's really complicated to live in a different city. Like, how are you going to make the money? Because we were poor. We didn't have a lot of uh, uh, money. So they, uh, it was the paid education was not um, an option for me. So when I heard about this summer exchange program, I was really excited because um, my parents gave me most of their savings and I applied for the visa. And luckily, I was one of the, I think, um, few students that actually did get a visa. To United States, and uh, I was—I I actually didn't believe that I'm gonna be in the U.S. because I never travel even anywhere outside of my country, and even outside of my city. Like I only been to St. Petersburg for like a couple of days when I was a kid, so that was really exciting for me um, and really frightening as well. So that was until I landed in U.S. in New York because every girl dreams of going to the Big Apple, right? Um, and but the problem was that I didn't really had a job. So um, there was a job waiting for me, like in a small city in New Jersey. But um, I had two weeks. I basically arrived in two weeks before I had to start, hoping that I can find a job in New York. Um, so I remember that I got outside of the, you know, airport, thinking that oh my god, people are speaking different language. I'm gonna other part of the planet, far away from everybody that I knew. So because I, I was alone, basically, I went by myself. And I needed to find a place to stay, um, where to live, and then the job for myself as well. And, but um, I kind of, I told myself that I had nothing to lose because, well, the worst case scenario, I just can get back and then um, continue my education and get a job and then like kind of live the life that my parents envisioned for me. So... I decided to try my best and just, you know, whatever happens, happens. So um, I found the apartment on the Craigslist and kind of rented out the living room um, on somebody's house uh, apartment. And on my first day, uh, instead of going sightseeing, I basically took a pile of printed resumes and just went outside to the every single restaurant I could find, um, took a train to Manhattan and Luckily, in the second restaurant I went to, I was, I convinced the manager to hire me. So he gave in and he gave me a job as the, um, the banquet server. That's how I started. And then later on, uh, when my English kind of improved, um, I was promoted to a busser, the one who cleans the tables, and then a hostess, and finally a waitress. But I was a really shitty waitress, actually, because I would spell the drinks every single day to, you know, customers. And uh, basically, I learned the menu, but because of my poor English, I was not able to understand everything that they were saying. So I would bring them, like, I would mess up with the orders almost every single day, and the manager would get mad. And and then, my luckily, my visa was expiring, so I got fired. <laughs> And this was this was how long you basically your waitress uh, uh, for the your of the restaurant summer, couple of, so a couple of months uh, three months okay so your restaurant experience lasted a couple of months in New York first yes okay. so then I went back to Russia and I was like um, you know what like I'm not gonna clean the table so I'm gonna find myself a job because I still believe that um, there's a job waiting for me somewhere in like in in Russia that I can do as a computer programmer um, so I go back study again and get an internship and get the best um, highest paid job at the best company in my city and realize working with people that have been there for um, 
like two to two actually 20 years that this is how my life is going to be um and also i realized the surprising fact that the salary of the computer programming job in russia in my city was the same as the cashier at the McDonald's in US. So you had been actually making more money as a waitress in New right. York than in the top Correct. paid yes. computer programming <laughs> position back home. Right. So that got me thinking. Um, and I went back to US again, again, the same program. But this time I decided that um, why don't I go to a different city? So I landed up in uh, Los Angeles, California. And um, kind of the story um, was repeating. So I got there with no job and no place to live, rented out the living room again in Santa Monica and uh, went to every single restaurant, again, uh, asking if they have anything, anything at all, like any position for me. Uh, So uh, in about a week, I was able to find um, a couple of jobs, but um, it was fine for a while. But after a hundred bus rides and going back and forth and spending like an hour and a half on buses um, going from one job to another and lower paychecks um, I finally thought that maybe I should find uh, a job as a computer programmer maybe like in this um, city where everybody's an actor or a musician there's still a need for somebody you know to manage this creative mess right so I uploaded the resume online and I was able to find a job at the real estate company um, as a computer programmer. So there I was, I was living actually my dream, um, working as a computer programmer in the US and in Los Angeles and California, where I think everybody, <laughs> it, it, it's a dream of everybody to live there. And uh, I was really happy for about a couple of years. Um, and then uh, I realized that I'm not learning anything anymore. So every, I knew everything. I was doing my job really well, but I didn't see like where I can, how I can grow. Um, and um, at the same time, so I kind of turned in, into um, hobbies. I started doing the passport covers or scrapbooking um, and selling it online because I just made too many for myself. Started to, to do that on Etsy. Uh, which is a marketplace for handmade um, stuff. And so you were making crafts, passport covers right. and things like that, and just deciding to sell the things that you had personally made on Etsy right. to see if anybody would want to buy them. Right. But the thing is, I realized that the starting the business with something, with your passion, is a little bit risky because um, later on when I started to make passport covers for like um, for people that put orders, I realized that I'm not enjoying this as much anymore. Um, so I was thinking maybe I should find something else. And there was this product in the market, um, which I found really cool. It was just starting to appear like I would see people wearing metallic tattoos on the beach and it would resemble a necklace or like a bracelet. And it looked like really shiny it was gold or silver. And I found it really cool. Um, so I found one of the companies in, um, in US uh, that sold these, purchased them and tried to resell them a little bit. And kind of my business picked up um, in about a couple of months. I started to see that people are purchasing them actually. Uh, So there is a demand. And then I thought, what if I make the product myself? So then uh, fast forward, I created a couple of designs, sold them on Etsy. And I realized that this is actually working. Um, people are actually interested in my designs. Um, and I got to a point where I was working my regular nine to five job and would come home and have these big boxes of tattoos that I need to ship. And um, I was basically working two jobs at the same time. I created the custom tattoos for a couple of clients that were looking for like um, something special for their wedding or a birthday or a party that they're organizing or something like that. Right. And um, because of the, like how the process was, it was emails going back and forth. And it was really hard to keep track of everything, and especially when I was working the regular job at the same time. So I decided maybe I can find somebody who can help me to build a website to kind of make it easier and eliminate like, you know, some questions that they and some part of the work. Uh, especially like digital proofs, like how the tattoo is going to look like. And like, um, it was all custom pricing 
custom price quotes. So Right. So at this point, before you, you hired anybody else or brought anybody else in, talk to me about mm-hmm. the hours that you were working and how you were structuring your life. Because you were working a full-time job to make your right. income and then building the business at night, on the weekends, on the side. Like, How did your life look during that period before you started to outsource? So basically, I was working 10 to 14 hours a day. Uh, um, I had the regular job during the, the day and I would come home and work on my business and I had so many emails, the customer service emails, um, people asking like, if, can I place an order? How much does it cost? And et cetera. And also I had the tattoos to ship, the ones that I we were already printed and made to order. So yeah, it was, uh, it was actually frustrating because I didn't have any time to do like for my life. Um, and your customers at this point were finding you through Etsy? or Exactly, yeah. yes. Okay. I was the only one who was selling this type of a product in Etsy at okay. that time. Uh, so I decided that I need to do something to something that, that helps me to, with the ordering process. Um, so I hired a, co- a computer programmer to build a website for me that kind of automates the part of the process. So... Um, people can go into the website and then customize the tattoos themselves. Um, and that actually helped a lot. So then my customer service emails, like the amount of them dropped about like um, like 90%, I think. Um, and it became a little bit easier. And then I got to a point where I decided actually, okay, so... I need to choose whether I continue my nine to five job or I can I should focus solely on my business. And it was a really emotionally difficult decision because I kind of it was to work as a computer programmer or you know in in LA it was my dream. Um, and to realize that I actually want to do something else was you know surprising. And I finally made the decision quit my job uh, and move to the center of Los Angeles and relying solely on the income from my tattoos, tattoo business, which was frightening because I basically was jumping into the world of like, you know, um, anything could happen. So I didn't know if it's going to work or not. I mean, it was working at that time, but um, I basically took a leap of faith. The entrepreneurial leap. Right. <laughs> And um, then I was still working a lot of hours because even though part of the process was automated, I would still get a lot of customer service emails and something would go wrong. I need to take care of that. Um, and I was, I was still shipping the tattoos as well. So I, at the time, read the four-hour work week which inspired me and actually gave me um, an example of um, and a possibility that it is possible to automate the business. So I started to think, um, hey, maybe I can hire somebody else to do like part of the work for me. And I found um, customer service um, people and um, through like freelancing, the upwork.com is a good source uh, for that. So. I hired one girl first that was helping me with the customer service. And then I remember that I was about to travel, I think one, like for the first time, I think outside of US um, for two weeks and I had a problem. So even though I kind of delegated part of the work, I was still, I, there was a still physical part of the work that I need to do, which is the shipping. So. I, um, and you know how it was really funny because when you want something, even like subconsciously thinking about something like, oh, I need to do this. And somehow the universe kind of helps you if you really, really want it. Um, so what happened was I was at the bank and I was just uh, talking with the, with a guy at the banker. He turned out to be, um, uh, from, Russia. They just moved from Moscow. Like he and, um, and his wife, and the, uh, his wife was expecting a baby, and he was like, uh, you know, yeah, we just moved. Like I, I have this job, but my wife is looking for work. Like we're not sure what she can do because she needs a job that kind of she can stay at home caring for the for the child. So we're still kind of not sure. Like we're still looking, and I it got me thinking. Hey, actually, 
I need help and maybe it can work for both of us. So I had this trip and I needed for somebody to help me with the shipping of the tattoos. So I asked maybe it can work. Um, And we've been working since then for about four years together. And she has a second baby right now and then she's a stay-at-home mom and um, it's, it's working actually perfectly for both of us. Amazing. So, so at that point, you had then your intake and your order placing was automated because you created a website mm-hmm. where people could custom design their own tattoos and just submit an order. Yeah. So you alleviated your front end sort of order taking work there and you automated mm-hmm. that. And then the back end was largely the responding to specific inquiries and then preparing and shipping the orders to people, which you found this uh, amazing staff person uh, and mm-hmm. she's still uh, fulfilling the back end shipping role for you. Right. So after I came back from my trip, I went to Nepal actually for the first time. That was really exciting. And uh, I came back and started to work more on improving my business. So I didn't have to do anything with the customer service anymore and the shipping as well. So everything was delegated and or automated or eliminated. So I was just working on bringing new customers and finding the, the new marketing ideas, um, f- also finding the marketing guy and then this uh, SEO. So basically working on improving my business. I didn't have to do any of the work anymore. Um, and what about the manufacturing of the actual product? How did you fit that piece of the puzzle and figure that out? So manufacturing, um, I went online and kind of looked on the companies that produce those and um, ordered a couple of samples. It actually it took me a while, like a, a couple of months to f- finding the right manufacturer. Um, and then I had to go back uh, to go and visit them myself. Um, just to make sure like it's everything is legit legitimate and uh, the quality is good and everything um, so yeah the whole process took about um, two to three months so so what would be what would be sort of the process if somebody wanted to find a manufacturer like let's say that they had a product idea or a design idea of something they wanted to sell mm-hmm. uh, and maybe they make digital images of it or they or they showcase it and describe it and they generate interest mm-hmm. what then would be the process for someone to find an appropriate manufacturer like how would they go about that so first, they have to decide whether they want a manufacturer to be in U.S. or in their country or in China, because it's two different processes and involves different pro- um, profit margins. So for me, um, because the product itself didn't cost that much, and um, I needed to make the highest possible margins, so I looked at the manufacturing um, companies in China, and the good website for that is Alibaba.com or AliExpress. And also the second option would be if you don't want to make your own uh, version of the product, you can also drop ship. So, for example, if the the product can be in U.S. or in China as well, if it's in China, then there is this great... um, app for Shopify, which is a hosting company uh, for the website. It's called Aberlo. So you can actually handpick the products that you want to sell, make your own pictures, your own website, and then kind of just redirect all the orders from your website directly to China. And then that would ship it for you directly to your customer. So you actually don't even have to see the physical product. Okay. So through your business building journey. Um, You obviously did this very swiftly and very efficiently. uh, And I'm wondering what types of time management strategies uh, and productivity hacks that you used that maybe other people could learn from as well. How did you structure your time and create the right priorities, you know, and then black out the time to execute on the most impactful priorities? How did you do that? So there's this great tool called productive.com. I use that as a task managing uh, solution. It's like an app. So I use that for keeping track of all my tasks that need to be done and uh, I prioritize them. So basically in the morning, the first thing I try to do the most complicated tasks that's going to take most of my time and then kind of progress to the smaller tasks. And also that's a great tool to communicate with your team. so you can assign each task to a specific person and then see the progress as well. And then Trello is also um, kind of like a task manager solution, but it's more visual. So that's for um, specific projects. And 
also um, when I when I work I try to go to a cafe and set a specific amount of hours that I am going to be working so for example I'm going to do this task for an hour um, and then this task for another hour and I'm going to stay at the cafe for like four hours total so when you set specific time frames for each task it kind of your productivity goes um, it, it's much more efficient rather than if you for example decide to work this day the whole day and then like you, you catch yourself uh, going on Instagram or Facebook or something that distracts you so when you set specific limits for each task and then like, in, in general as I want to take just one minute out to let you know that in addition to hosting The Maverick Show, I am also the co-founder of Maverick Investor Group, a real estate brokerage that helps you buy turnkey rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets from anywhere. So these are single-family homes, sometimes two to four unit properties, and they're either brand new or fully renovated, and they already have tenants and local property management in place. So you get all the benefits of owning the deeded real estate, the physical house, the hard asset, without the headaches of being the landlord or the rehabber or needing to live near the property. So I wanna offer you a free consultation if that sounds interesting to you. To learn more about it, you can just go to themaverickshow.com slash consult. And now, back to the episode. Well, your productivity goes up a lot. So what's amazing to me is that you did not come from a business type background that wasn't either your, you know, uh, educational background or anything else, you know, and and also uh, you didn't have a mentor per se who was guiding mm -hmm. you and teaching you how to do this in such a way. So how did you, I mean, at age 19, 20, 21, figure out or or know how to go about uh, you know putting these different pieces of the business in place the way that you did it kind of happened to me um simultaneously so i was figuring out the like one step at a time um and the the big inspiration for me was the four hour work week book which i highly recommend it's by tim ferris and also there's another one um it's called a hundred dollar startup um so that was a big inspiration and then um, I always like to automate things. When I think about it, actually, when I was working as a banquet server, we would um, work at the different events, and each of them of the events was a different location throughout, like Los Angeles. So it was really hard to keep track of the like when I need to work and like where it's that. So in my calendar it would get messed up. So I created this app for the company that I was working for just to make my, my own life easier. Um, and it's like a calendar app that um, allows you to see what, what went to work and actually apply for it as well. So instead of um, them sending this numerous uh, emails back and forth and sending like all the kind of questions like um, when can you work like what's your availability and stuff like that um, this app kind of eliminated all that and automated the process so now when they created the event it would get sent out to every employee every, every employee that they have and people would just look at it through their phones and sign up or decline and then also update their availability online as well so then um, the whole thing kind of gets more you know efficient and more productive um, so that was that and kind of like little things. What advice would you give? And I want to kind of ask, since you've gone through this entire process now, I want to ask about your advice that you'd give to entrepreneurs or inspire or aspiring entrepreneurs at different stages in their journey. So if someone is at the beginning and they're trying to figure out what product or service to bring to market, what should their thought processes be and now what would you recommend to them about how to determine what they can do to add value in the market so first uh if you're looking for a product to ship or a service see if it's popular if there's a demand for it so check the market first that's really important because for example what happened with my um passport covers even though they were lovely and people loved them nobody was searching for them with my the gold dla it's most of the 
traffic that we're getting is organic. So people are already looking for it. And it's much easier to sell a product if somebody's already looking for it. The good way to go would be to check Google Trends or various other websites um, to see what, what kind of what, what's popular in the market. And then from there, when you kind of choose your product, try to niche it down as much as possible. So for example, like let's say uh, this temporary tattoo market, we niche it down to custom temporary tattoos and then from there to custom metallic temporary tattoos. So eventually it became um, like a really small niche, but at the same time, it is possible to niche the market and must sell. Right. And so you would recommend the market testing to try to identify demand. Yes. And then try to create a niche within a high demand market Mm -hmm. and then test for minimum viable product to make sure people are willing to buy it. Right. Testing is important too. So instead of um, putting a lot of money in manufacturing the product, a good way to go would be the testing the website and the product first. So creating a test website and uh, driving the traffic to it through Google advertising, like PPC paid advertising basically, and seeing if people are actually signing up um, for like the service or buying the product or um, just filling up the contact form. So then you can actually check um, the demand first as well. And if they like the product, you can also do the A-B testing with a different um, kind of refine your advertising technique as well. And then if you see that there's a demand, then you can actually go and manufacture the product itself. And then do you recommend doing this the way that you did initially sort of as a side hustle while you have some other solid form of income happening and just kind of test this on the side? And then if so, what's sort of the jumping off point where you can be comfortable enough that this is in fact going to work and I can now quit my job and dedicate full time to my business? How do you assess that? When I think about that, it would actually be quite um, faster to set up my business and get it up and running if I quit my job in the first place. Right. But at the same time, for me, it was really difficult to kind of um, get away from that um, vision and the dream that I had and actually decide, okay, I'm going to do the business. Right. Um, So... It really depends on the person, I guess. So if you are a risk taker, that type of person, then absolutely uh, go and do it. Like some, you know, some people never start their business in the first place. One of the reasons is they always wait for something like to to have everything before they start. They think like, okay, so I need to build a web a better website first, and this and that, and then end up never actually starting the business, or it will take them uh, a million years to do that. So. The number one advice would be go and actually start with something. You don't have to start with everything else. You don't have to know everything or um, know how to do everything. You can actually just start with something. And then as you progress, then you can hire people and ask for advice and learn to do how to do something. And I think one of the good qualities of the entrepreneur would be finding the right people that actually know better than you do in some like for example i used to build websites but when i was working on my own um website i actually hired a computer programmer because i didn't want to spend countless hours learning this and like the the technology and everything and like how to do it properly and uh, it was a more complex application as well so i just went and try to find the person who knows better how to do that. And so the ability to combine all those people together and make them work together, it's, it, I think that's what makes you a great entrepreneur. So this leads into my next question, which is a business owner, entrepreneur who's at sort of the mid-stage of this process. And I think one of the other big traps people fall into, you just mentioned the first one, right? Which is like failure to launch, right? Mm -hmm. Like being afraid to start or not being able to put enough time, uh, not choosing to put enough time into it. But then there are a lot of people, I think, where the second stage big trap is that they want to sort of start a business, quote unquote, but basically what they end up doing is creating a job for themselves and they become a self-employed person, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're doing 
all of the stuff themselves, and they either don't know how to outsource or they're not thinking in a systems and process-oriented way or they're thinking maybe that they can do it better than anybody else or whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. but they get sort of locked in this self-employment thing where they are doing all of the work and that kind of stuff. So for people that are, maybe they've already leapt out of their corporate job and they don't have a boss, so technically they're their own boss Mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff, but they're still doing all of the work, what would you say are the steps from there to you know, building the systems and the processes and automating and outsourcing, how do they go about moving in that direction? So first you need to see if you're doing any repetitive tasks all over and over again. For example, answering emails or um, doing research or doing set up the marketing campaign and just make sure it's up and running or maintaining your website or something that you're doing basically every day or every week. So that you can see if it's possible to delegate it to somebody else. And then the physical part of the work, also see if you can just find somebody else and train them to do what you do. And then kind of um, the important part is to make them think like how you think and teach them all the strategies. And like um, when you reply to a customer, for example, if you think like nobody nobody else can do that, only you can do that, just try to think like what um, kind of what strategies you have when you're uh, replying to that email and kind of what I did is I created the Bible for my customer service and put every possible scenario like uh, what to do if this and that and um, this kind of eliminated me from the equation um, so then try to see if there's any repetitive task and then first if you can automate it for example by creating a better website um, or finding an online solution, like a CRM system, for example, um, or something like that. And then if something cannot be automated, then you delegate the part of the work and finding a, somebody else to do that for you. And so in your process of doing this and going through the entire business building mm-hmm. journey, at what point did you, because you talked about having a lot of, there's obviously a lot of work Uh, There's a lot of hours building it. And you talked about a lot of sort of stress and anxiety and that kind of stuff. What types of stress reduction or anxiety reduction uh, techniques would you use during those periods? I try to meditate um, every day um, in the morning and then before I go to bed as well. Uh, That kind of helps. And also what helps is making a list of the things that you want to achieve. Um, and I have like my bedroom wall is filled with all the pictures like from magazines and uh, uh, like just little something that I found this here and there, um, kind of like an inspiration wall. Uh, and I smile every time I look at it and kind of reminds me of what I want to achieve and just kind of like it, and also the things that I like that makes me happy. Um, so that helps a lot too. Awesome. Cool. So are you ready for some lightning round questions? Yes. Awesome. So these will just be short questions, but you can spend as much time as you want answering them. You don't have to give a super short answer. The lightning round. Um, so the first question is, did you have, or what was maybe I should say, sort of the moment in your business building journey where you made such a significant breakthrough, you got to such a significant threshold that you basically finally said to yourself, I've arrived. Like, I've built this business. I feel successful. This really is going to work. What was that moment for you? Funny enough, I think it was a Nomad Cruise, the first cruise that I went to because we were going from Colombia to Portugal, uh, basically crossing the Atlantic. And for 10 days, we didn't have any internet. So um, there was a Wi-Fi, but it wasn't working. And at first, I felt really stressed about it because I thought, oh, my God, everything is going to go to shit, basically. (laughs) And I, but then I realized that actually everything is going well. And uh, after we arrived, nothing went wrong. It was, you know, people were doing the same um, work as they were doing before. Everything was working smoothly. And that was the moment for me when I realized that I actually built a team uh, and a sustainable business that I don't have to participate in anymore. All right. 
If you could recommend one book for people to read, what would be your one book recommendation? For our work week. Highly recommend. And there is another, well, that's mostly with people that already have the business established and want to automate it. But if you're looking for a product or just some inspiration, like what you want to sell, um, a $100 startup is a good one as well. I think it's by Chris... um, I'm not sure if I'm pressing. Uh, Gellibro, yeah. Gellibro, uh, yeah. Yes, we'll put yes. we'll put his uh, <laughs> we'll put all of these links in uh, the show notes as well, so people can just go and click on them awesome. uh, and go directly to the book. So, okay, what is the one app or productivity tool that you're currently using that you would recommend to people? The customer management uh, system, which is the so CRM, and uh, the one that we use is Strake. And what I find um, really good about it is it's it's a lot simpler than like Salesforce, for example, or these big applications. And I, I wanted something simple as well. So I didn't want to create a separate system where I have to manually like put the waters and then keep track. And then I wanted something that kind of um, included the email communication as well. And Strake is, is a great app that actually did it for me. So basically what it does is that it turns your Gmail into a CRM. So now all the emails that are coming in are potential leads. And then you can track, um, like you can see where your customer is in the process of a purchase. If it's a lead or it's a already like um, quote sent, or for example, if you already created the proof, the digital proof for them, and like so basically you can see them and uh, throughout the order ordering process. And also, there's a way to follow up on emails and send out automatic emails as well, mass emails. So it's a really great tool um, for keeping track of your potential clients and existing ones as well. Awesome. So we'll link to that as well. In addition to the ones that you talked about earlier, we use Trello as well mm-hmm. uh, at Maverick and uh, and some of the same ones. And obviously, you and I have talked about how influential the four-hour work week was for me personally as well, right. uh, because I interestingly also was in LA when I started my business. I actually mm-hmm. got fired from my job unexpectedly. And so <laughs> I sort of didn't have that whole side hustle transitionary decision-making to do. I kind of got thrust uh, mm-hmm. out of a job. And I said, you know what? Instead Instead of applying for a new job, I am going to figure out how to build a business and I'm just going to force myself to do it. And the awesome. fear of the fear of, you know, whatever the, the, the fear is going to motivate me to do it. You know what I mean? To generate mm-hmm. income and to figure out a way to make that work. And so mm-hmm. I didn't I, like you. I had no business background. Right. I didn't mm-hmm. know how to start a business. I had to go learn how to do it. And so I literally started driving literally the day I got fired. I drove to Barnes & Noble at the Grove in Mm -hmm. L.A., and I went in and I went to the business section and I started sitting down reading books on how to start a business. And I went there every day and I would just read books on how to start a business. And then this was 2007. Mm-hmm. So one day I walked into the bookstore and there on the shelf, just <laughs> newly released today, was the four-hour work week. And I literally read it the day it came out. And I, like you, said, you know, light <laughs> oh <my> bulb, <laughs> this is what I'm going to build. And mm-hmm. so even though I was planning to build a real estate investment company mm-hmm. and start a real estate brokerage and service investors and all of this kind of stuff, <laughs> which is traditionally not a virtual business. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to figure out a way to build it with a virtual infrastructure so mm-hmm. that I can have the location independence and do all of this lifestyle design stuff. And so from that moment on, everything that I w- continued to read about how to do sales or marketing or HR, different parts of a business, and how to build those systems and processes, I was going to build them with a virtual infrastructure in mind mm-hmm. and make sure that each step I took did not have a geographically restrictive mm-hmm. impact, right? Mm-hmm. So my business partners and I have never even lived in the same city. I started the business with two other people, so it's three uh, co-founders. We've never lived in the same city since the day the company was started. Like we Mm -hmm. forced it to be built with a virtual infrastructure. And so, you know, I think that there's a lot of ways for for folks to be able to think about that. Um, But I think that's awesome that you and I had uh, not only the same uh, starting uh, inspiration with the book, but also the same city. So that's pretty amazing. That's amazing. And we found out upon a conversation that we literally lived, not at the same time, (laughs) but that we literally lived in the same high rise building in LA, which is amazing. (laughs) Right. So our, our, uh, our, our trajectories have intertwined in a number of different ways, not at the same time exactly, but uh, it's pretty amazing uh, how similar those paths are. So, okay, on with the lightning round. Um, what are your top, you travel a lot. So you, you mentioned about 
two months you're out of LA and then two months back in LA Mm -hmm. and that's how you choose to structure your lifestyle. Um, and so you're out of the, out of the country traveling around the world about six months out of the year. So what would you say are your top three favorite destinations that you have ever traveled to? Let's say maybe that you'd love to go back and live for a month, you Mm -hmm. know, or that you'd recommend that people definitely go and see these places. What would be your top three? I think number one would be Nepal, uh, because that's really mind-blowing experience, I think. Um, You don't actually have to go to Himalayas or anything, but for me, just seeing them, um, there was this sunrise um, that we saw in Pokhara, that's like a small city, and there was a lake, so we took a boat, drove as as far as we could, and then waited just for the sunrise, and this, you have to mention this, this um, clouds are kind of like going apart and then you see this mountains the massive mountains covered in snow the Himalayas and then in about 15 minutes uh, the clouds go back again and you don't see them anymore and that was uh, and then also did the yoga there and it was just a great experience um, like in the second country would be I think Japan because it's just it's so different and it kind of uh opens your eyes a little bit about the world like how people are living differently in in, in other countries and how their mind is actually the set of values is also different from yours um, and then the third one would be Russia just because it was funny uh, I never traveled in my country so I went straight from Magnitogorsk to US and then when I was already in US I studied with Asia and then I kind of worked my way to Europe so now I'm traveling through Europe <laughs> and I went to Moscow for the first time and I was amazed just how the um, country like it's it's just it was so different from my little city and um, there's also a lot of freelancers that work there and like people are more you know open-minded and kind of the there are a lot of dreamers and it's just um i would love to go back there and live for summer actually so that's amazing those are three fantastic recommendations i just went to japan the first time in november and i went to tokyo for a month and it Mm -hmm. was amazing and i have plans now to go back to kyoto and spend a full month in kyoto later this year awesome super excited was my favorite really Mm -hmm. i have heard which is why i didn't go for like a weekend trip from tokyo i'm like no i'm spending a whole month in Kyoto and I want to experience it fully. So that's already on my agenda. Nepal is very high on my list. I've not been uh, to Nepal. Um, I have been to India and I've been to Sri Lanka, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I've heard amazing things about Nepal. So I'm super excited to to try that. And then Russia is absolutely on my list. I I want to do the the Trans-Siberian Railway. Oh, wow. I haven't done this one. But it's also on my list. Well, someday. you know what I just heard? I don't know if you've heard about this. There is now uh, something called Nomad Train. Right. Have yes. you heard about yes, this? Yes, I heard about it. It's actually a Russian girl called Maria, I think her name is. She started it. And I think she had an idea on the Nomad Cruise, actually one of the first ones. So, yeah, it's a great idea. It's just they're traveling on the... So I travel in trains uh, in Russia. The one When I was a kid, we went to St. Petersburg and we spent three days in a row in the train and it's you kind of have to be ready for it (laughs) and i think you can also do stops right so for folks that don't know the trans-siberian railway is one of the most famous train routes in the world it is the longest if you take the full route and it goes all the way through siberia over to vladivostok Mm -hmm. that is the longest train route in the world and it's super famous Mm -hmm. but they have a a new um route a sort of a a deviation from that route called the trans-mongolian route Mm -hmm. and so it goes you know from moscow i think you can even start up in St. Petersburg mm-hmm. and then it goes through a lot of that main stuff in Siberia like Lake Baikal and like that other stuff but then it, instead of going all the way out to Vladivostok it veers down and it goes through Mongolia so it right. goes through Ulaanbaatar and then it ends up in Beijing right and actually it was it's going really closely to my city where I'm from oh really so folks you can check out the Yekaterinburg highly recommend it amazing it's, I, think, I think it's stopping there like this is the closest city from where I'm from amazing yeah. so I'm and I, I'm definitely seriously thinking about doing it so we should uh, if you're thinking about it as well we should coordinate because that would be amazing right uh, to see that so cool all right so how about bucket list destinations that you have not yet been to but are like the highest on your list what are kind mm-hmm. of the top three where you really want to go so Colombia 
I really want to learn Spanish and salsa. Nice. I heard it's really nice there. And uh, let's see, Scotland. Because yep. I, I was really close in London, but I didn't get a chance because it was a really bad weather that's, at that time. So it's still on my list. And uh, what else? I think uh, Spain. I would love to just spend a month in Spain, and, uh, again, learning Spanish and just kind of eating all those tapas. <laughs> That would be amazing. I uh, I lived in Spain for about three months at different times. Like I'd mm-hmm. go for like a month in Barcelona, and then I went back for did a month in the north in the Basque country, based in Bilbao, mm-hmm. and then I've sort of done like a week in Madrid and a couple of weeks in the south in Andalusia and stuff. And it is just a really special country. It's probably my favorite country in Western Europe. I would right? say, yeah, it's mm-hmm. amazing. So I think that's a really good choice. And then Colombia, I was just last year in Colombia for two months. I was um, did a month in Bogota and a month in uh, Medellin. Mm -hmm. And so both of those are amazing. I've been to Cartagena also for about a week and a really, really special country. I'd say Colombia and Brazil, I would say those are at right now. Those are probably my top two favorite countries in South America. So I think it's a really (laughs) good choice. And Colombia, of course, is the home of salsa where they have the world salsa championships and everything else. So that is definitely the place to learn it. So did you learn it? How you, uh, you know, salsa? I will say that I did not, but I would like to go back and learn it. To be very honest, I think that's an, that would be an amazing mm-hmm. experience. Like when I was when I was living in Buenos Aires in Argentina, I did take tango lessons. Oh, awesome! There, yeah, that's on the list too. Which right. is amazing. I mean, it's just so incredible when you're doing that. And mm-hmm. in, in Colombia, I had a few other things going on, so I wasn't able to, uh, you know, prioritize dedicating time to that. But I think that would be amazing, and I would also love mm-hmm. to go back and do that. And Colombia is just so delightful. I mean, it's just a wonderful place to be. So I really want to go back, and I think that would be an awesome, awesome thing to do. So. <laughs> Cool. So, uh, Julia, tell folks how they can learn more about you, learn more about your business, connect with you, and so forth. Uh, at this time, basically, maybe Facebook would be a good way to connect with me. It's okay. Julia Shem. And uh, the one in Los Angeles, I think I'm the only one. <laughs> Perfect. So, Julia Shem in Los Angeles on Facebook. And then if they want to go to your website and check out your business, um, how do they find you? Goldie.LA. So G-O-L-D-Y mm-hmm. dot L-A. So mm-hmm. that's the, instead of a dot com, it's a dot L-A. Right. Because we're based in Los Angeles. <laughs> Represent. So Goldie.LA is the website if you want to check out the custom metallic temporary tattoos and how she has set up her whole business and uh, whether you're interested in the temporary tattoos or you're you're just interested in seeing how she set up her entire business definitely worth a visit to the website for sure and then you can reach out to her on Facebook and we'll put all of those links in the show notes and you can see everything there so Julia thank you so much for being here this was awesome to have you (laughs) thank you thank you very much All right, everybody bye bye be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books people and resources mentioned in this episode you'll find all that and much more at themaverickshow.com Would you like to know Matt's top book recommendations? Go to themaverickshow.com slash books and see his list of the most helpful and influential books he has ever read on real estate investing, entrepreneurship, and world travel. These books massively inspired and educated him in these areas. So check them out today and see how many you have read at themaverickshow.com forward slash books. Are you following Maverick Investor Group on social media at Invest Maverick? You'll get exclusive content such as behind the scenes footage, travel adventures, and tips on real estate investing and lifestyle design. Follow Maverick Investor Group on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat, all at Invest Maverick.